Hi everyone, welcome to RZ Two Cents, uh, sitting virtually across from me. Uh, as we don't feel so bad being virtual these days because everyone's doing everything virtual. So uh, that's Roy in Vancouver. Hi guys. So we are uh, back on our podcast for I think we had about two weeks gap there, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which is pretty pretty reasonable our normal uh, routine. Um, yes. And we are excited to be back uh, during this. Uh, very critical times for the for the for the world, basically. So and and we are, um, uh, we can't say we are thrilled about the situation, but we are definitely happy to sit down and discuss and share our thoughts with you. Mm-hmm. So a lot has happened since the last mm-hmm. time we spoke. Absolutely. We uh, spoke on the coronavirus the last time, and mm-hmm. this time is still going to be around that topic. But yes. I think in the recent past two weeks, the biggest um, change we uh, we've observed is on the market. And the mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. today we're going to focus more on coronavirus's impact on more specifically the U.S. Uh, stock market and U.S. economy, and we're going to expand to uh, talk about its impact on the global market and economy as well. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Robert, you are the expert here. Mm-hmm. So today, let's take a we're thinking let's take a more interview style. So sure. I am very much like most of our listeners, I believe, very curious about your mm-hmm. take on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's jump right into it. Mm-hmm. So just to start off, I kind of want to hear your thoughts, maybe mm-hmm. your comments on, you know, there's a lot that has happened in the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, just basically your thoughts on the market and then how the feds, how people reacted and mm-hmm. your general thoughts and comments. All right. So a uh, couple of things. Um, I, I thought I might use this as a, our title. Uh, for the podcast for, for, for this current episode and, mm-hmm. uh, and push it out at the end. But I'm going to leave it here uh, at the beginning for people to think about. Um, it's just, you know, sort of the title I thought for our episode, sort of a little bit of the medium-term conclusion that I have kind of, uh, but never, nothing is conclusive though. Um, okay. But I'm definitely going to use this. So it's called The World is Temporarily Shutting Down. Mm-hmm. It's not a slowdown. Mm-hmm. It's shutting down. Yeah. Yeah. However, the world is not broken. So that would be my title. Um, so the world okay. is temporarily shutting down, but it's not broken. Um, I see, I see. So, mm-hmm. uh, so let's touch on the uh, the positive and the negative uh, from mm-hmm. the current situation. Uh, then we're diving to uh, in terms of investing, in terms of uh, uh, stock market, bond market, in terms of uh, the global economy, and uh, obviously what's on everyone's mind right now—the recession mm-hmm. possibilities. So. Um, I believe, you know, both Roy and I agree that there's nothing in the world that's uh, absolute net negative. Uh, mm. There's nothing in the world that's absolutely a net positive. There's yeah. always a yin and yang, right? So yes. let's talk about the negative on this first. There are many. Um, one is that we actually, people talk about 08, 09 a lot, right? The financial crisis. Mm. Uh, that's mm-hmm. definitely happening in our lifetime, even though when we were young. But I have, uh, uh, you know family members and, and uh, my father, friends and other people who have been through it uh, during the prime of their careers. And they, uh, they share enough experience to me, to us, that we kind of, you know, know what went on. And then we have the dot-com bubble in 2001. Then mm-hmm. uh, we have, uh, before that, uh, there was the first war against Iraq, uh, the Gulf War in 1990, with the mm-hmm. first uh, Bush president. Before that, there was a 1987 uh, flash crash, and before, you know, then we can go all the way before to World War II even, right? So um, mm-hmm. there was a huge thing going on for the world. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, it was a, it was a long uh, depression then. And before that, there was a 
at the end of 1920s, um, the Great Depression for the United States was went on for like almost 10 years. And before that, there was 1918, which was a little bit similar theme. I don't think you know it's going to have that. Uh, uh, hopefully, it doesn't have that bad of a human health result. But uh, theme-wise, 1918, the Spanish pandemic, yeah, the Spanish true. flu pandemic, which three percent of world population passed away. So uh, that's how bad it was. 50 million, 50 million people died. So um, that was bad. And then, so we, we, you know, we can go back obviously even further, but that's basically we start from there. So the, for the past about hundred years, so 1918, right today, I mean, right now we're at 2020. So about exactly 102 years ago. And, uh, mm-hmm. and for the, from a U.S. capital market perspective, the, the Dow Jones industrial average, so that uh, has been around, so the stock market for the United States has been around for 124 years. So it's mm-hmm. definitely seen all through all these things. So that's the perspective. So the negative okay. side are a lot because if you compare it to 0809, a lot of people say, oh, it's not as bad or whatever, you know, it doesn't have a financial bubble, banks not, you know, because at that point, people are really concerned, can banks pay their savings deposit? Because mm-hmm. the banks are going insolvent. Government has to save them, right? Because otherwise, mm-hmm. if you save money in the bank, you can't take it. It's just, yeah. if, if the government lives in free fall. So that was a huge thing. And obviously, everyone's house, you know, depreciated 50%. So, you know, if you thought you're a millionaire because you own that $1 million house and now you're 500K, your net worth yeah. is 50% less. If you have cash, if you own the whole house, if you pay cash for it, if you have mortgage on it, then you are actually, you are, uh, you are a net negative situation, right? In that situation, because mm-hmm. you still owe bank money and bank will have to foreclose your house. Um, so that people talk about it's not as bad. But from but the negative from this event is that there are a lot of parts that are worse. So um, such as the think about the world today. We're such in we are in such an interconnected world, right? Yes. The economy that we built on for the last you know however long, even you can argue since the 1990s, really since, since since 30 years ago when we were born, uh, around that time, is basically built on the expansion of globalization. That mm-hmm. we air travel, air travel, you know. Uh, conferences, meetings, you know, all these things are happening, you know, study abroad, everything. So we are so, we're connected today more than ever. And the connected part portion of the economy is actually the strongest, right? Say hotels, airline travel, Coachella, Mm -hmm. NBA, all these things are canceled. Everything's canceled, right? So Mm -hmm. um, taking every, every day, like working from home is such a uh, deflation signal because um, uh, the, the moment that, Everyone stops going because every time you step out of the door, you realize like actually creates a lot of GDP, right? Because you have to get in a car, you burn fuel, right? Oil oil demand is went down, you know. You get coffee on the way. You're getting coffee on the way. You see people, Mm -hmm. you know, and and stuff. So and after work, you go to you go happy hour to get a beer. You know, it's this whole thing. It's just literally you know carries the economy going. Now it's off, so it's not slowing down. It's just literally being stopped to zero right now. Yes, and um, that's very negative. That's the pendulum swings that way. And so that's the first one. Okay, I'm going to keep going on in the, the negative here. Second one is that we have to protect the bottom part of the population here because um, I heard this view. Uh, I, want to ref- I want to make a f- full re- reference here. As a, I, heard this, I heard this view from a Mohammed Alarian. He's the CIO. They manage about seven, 70 billion in assets. They're a company based in Irvine. It's called Alia uh, Advisors. Uh, they're an okay. insurance company. and, and they're, they're huge. So anyways, so he's the CEO of that company. He talked about uh, on, on, on CNBC a couple, uh, about a week ago. He said, and, and I, I concur with him from, from, from this standpoint. He made a point saying, so for the last 10 years, right, you can see the bottom population, at least some portion of it, 
are actually enjoying pretty good wage growth. One, that's provided by data. Mm-hmm. Uh, two is that because uh, minimum wage increased, right, uh, from an average about 10 years ago, it was like six and a half, seven dollars. Now to like close to 12, right? So, and but inflation kept at, was, was being kept at bay at two percent. So, basically, goods mm-hmm. didn't inflate that much. Like, you know, we talk about core yeah. inflation, let's say you go buy gallon milk and you know, toilet paper, things you need, stuff like that. Uh, toilet yep. paper might be in shortage these days, but <laughs> but yeah, everything else, but you know, they didn't inflate much, but they had a wage growth. That's one, two, they're easy and ever to be their own boss because you know, Uber. Right, things, mm. things like that, um, and 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 I've spoken. This this was you know this basically a little survey idea was I conducted this before coronavirus um, with like many Uber drivers spoken to. I think about forty. You know, I mean, it's a very small sample size, but you know, I just try to do it from a personal standpoint. They actually none of them actually um, one they supported California. You know, the, the the whole making them employee benefit thing that that, that bill. Two is that because none of them actually pay taxes because every year they because the depreciation of their their vehicle. As their main mm. business vehicle, because in their mileage, they all get tax return back. Oh, so, so okay. they make about four grand, you know, on average four grand to five grand. Some, uh, if they work more hours, five grand a month for Uber drivers, they don't pay tax on that. So it's a legit earning of sixty thousand mm. dollars a year. It's pretty decent to even, mm-hmm. you know, living in like say Southern California anywhere. So, um, and it feels but, good. <laughs> and feels good exactly. So they, yes. they have to determine their own hours. You know, they love it. Oh my god! I speak yep. to these like they m- most of them. And and one of them is sixty five. He's retired. He's earning actual income. The youngest one I spoke to Uber driver is like twenty one, so younger than mm-hmm. us. And he's mm-hmm. he, he he's currently taking part time classes at college, and he loves it. So people all love it across the board. So, anyways, so the point is, bottom public population, or you know, at least the the lower the middle class part, um, have enjoyed a pretty good uh, economic expansion for the last ten years, right? So, yes. um. But now the problem is they are getting hit the hardest because they are on hourly wages, most of them. Let's say like an NBA arena yeah. worker or bartender or, you know, restaurant Uber workers, driver. like the Uber driver, because less yeah. people are going, right? Um, yeah. So these things are, oh, yeah, when, just one quick thing on Uber driver, too. Uh, yeah. A friend of mine spoke to him yesterday. He lives in New York. He had to go somewhere, literally had to go go to his office, get his stuff. Like y- y- yesterday, well, his mask or at the office, so he wanted to go there. That's the only thing he did yesterday. But he took, at 11.30 a.m., he took an Uber. And the Uber driver told him that particular Uber driver has been out on the street since 6 a.m. And my friend was the first person he picked up. Wow. Is that insane, bro? Is that yeah. crazy? This was yesterday in New York City. You know, I talked to people with foot on the ground. Literally, you know, the Uber driver said, you are my first driver, first rider day. I'm going to hit my second by 1 p.m. If I don't, I'm going home. Like, I'm not coming out tomorrow. Uh-huh. There was just no reason to go out, right? Ride, driving around burning fuel, right? So, mm-hmm. um. Uh, anyways, you know, but but he, he did say he parked somewhere a little bit, chill a little bit, then go to the next block. You know, New York isn't that big to burn fuel, but still, he wasted a lot of time doing, you know, getting one ride, 11.30 a.m. Um, mm. from 6 a.m. So that's being hit very, very hard. And um, and, 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 and that part of the population will have to protect. And, and these people are, and frankly, they are not working, uh, not because they're fault. <laughs> right, yep, not yep. zero, not zero, because this, they have nothing to do with whoever ate the bat. So, um, so, so, the, but, but they are dangerous to be protected. That's two. Three is that what I worry about is uh, for both, uh, most a lot more so for the United States, okay, but for both U.S., China, or you know anywhere in the world, small businesses are the backbone of the economy. A restaurant mm-hmm. owner, a mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a let's say somebody who opens a coffee shop or, or these things, like these, or small entrepreneurs. These mm-hmm. people who owe landlords rent, 
now um, they they don't have enough cash flow to 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 be able to maintain their business. Uh, to sometimes they do have to keep certain parts of the people. Let's say if they run a restaurant, the manager, someone they trust and been there for seven years, they don't want to fire the manager, right? So they they probably have to still pay to keep them intact. We've seen that actually this all this whole thing played out uh, in China about two months earlier, just two months earlier mm. in the US, but you know yes. similar situations. And uh, hourly workers, some of them might be like, oh, but you know they, they still for any sort of legit business, they still have to keep the most important asset is their employee. Right, especially skilled, trained employee, experienced employee. So you have to keep them, right? So that is the third part. That's the that that is worrisome. Um, and there's a fourth and fifth. That's more regional and a little bit more macroeconomic wise. Uh, fourth is uh, Europe. Uh, Europe was on temporary recession before this already. So uh, and for the reasons we can dive into the data a little bit later, I have some charts here to pull up as well uh, as I got ready for this. But uh, so, so basically. Europe was on, on a virtual recession before this. Uh, mm, yeah. uh, you know, the GDP growth in Germany was a point that uh, was zero point zero zero four percent growth last year. So basically non-existent. Um, mm. Now it's definitely going to tip over to under, right? So and that's the strongest economy in Europe. Um, so that's fourth. Fifth is mm. obviously the oil demand. Forty um, percent of world. This is legit. Exactly forty percent mm-hmm. um, of the world. All countries in the world, their GDP output. Is determined by commodity by commodity producing. So forty okay. percent, yeah. I mean, because think these are mainly developing countries. I know it's crazy, right? Because U.S. isn't like that. You know, China you mainly is forty percent of global economy. Forty percent of the countries, countries in the world. Countries in the world. In the world. Oh, countries. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Forty yeah. percent of the countries in the world. They're mean okay. just. Mean, 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 more than fifty-one percent of the GDP, right? Just their mean yeah. income for region. Their mean GDP creation vehicle mm-hmm. is. Commodity producing, and mm. the biggest commodity is oil. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, and because people are not really, you know, getting more coal and stuff like that, right? And there's yeah. only a certain amount of gold you can dig. So, you know, and other commodities, mm. sugar and stuff. There's such a small market versus oil. So, oil is it is so so vital for today's economy. Even though mm-hmm. you know you and I support clean energy and stuff, but we're not there yet, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so forty percent of the world relies on oil, and um, that's. It's the, the fact that it's under you know thirty dollars a barrel when at highest it was about one twenty and the last year was a sixty dollars a barrel. It's it's tough because they, they can barely make any money on on, on drilling oil, um, uh, and and selling to obviously uh, the biggest importer of oil is China. So China doesn't really have much oil itself, so they buy a lot. But because their economy slows down so much now, so they don't buy as much. So uh, the whole huge demand drops off. Now United States drops off now everything. So mm. the, so they can't. Uh, but but the dilemma is that the, what what makes the problem worse is that they have to survive by drilling more, by even supplying more to the supply demand equation. The demand is very weak, so the price goes down because supply goes up. Supply mm-hmm. is there, yeah. demand is weak, then the price yeah. goes really down. But now they're oversupplying even more. That's why you see the Russian and the Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. had a fight because they're like, if we don't drill, we're dying. So if we the more we drill, the thinner the profit margin. But if you don't drill, we you know we we it's over. So we're gonna drill more. <laughs> and, and there's and the whole reason for OPEC to exist is to uh, hedge each other. Country say, okay, this year you get this much quota, right? Russia. Mm-hmm. Next year you get that much quota. So like so that we don't, you know, go in this crazy oversupply and then basically play a price war and drive everyone to the ground, right? Mm-hmm. But now OPEC, at least for the last meeting, has failed. Now they are going on that crazy price war that going to zero again. And uh, OPEC next meeting in July, hopefully that fix it. But um, mm-hmm. or emergency meeting before, but. So basically, these are the five things that I've listed out are pretty negative. Um, I see, I see. Those are yeah. great five points. 
I'm, yeah. I'm going to insert a few Go questions mm-hmm. so that I don't forget. Yeah. So going off of the unemployment one, so mm-hmm. first of all, do you think what the mm-hmm. government, what the U.S. government is, is doing right now is enough to ease the impact, right, the current unemployment benefits they're giving out? Yeah. And also, do you think the uh, unemployment impact is mostly centralized in major metropolis like New York and LA, or is it going to be felt in other parts of the country as well? Mm, mm, mm. 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 Cool. Okay. So are those two? You can keep going if you want. Yeah. 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 Okay. Those two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, I'm going to answer those two. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and also, uh, it's actually a smooth shift to the the other side of the pendulum, right? I talk about the five negatives and they're pretty serious, right? I'm gonna talk about yeah. the positive. Okay. Mm-hmm. So talk about a positive uh, that exact, and it's gonna answer, answer those two questions you had exactly. Mm-hmm. Talk about a positive, we'll go back to the title I had real quick. It's called, the world is temporarily shutting down, comma, mm-hmm. but it's not broken. Mm-hmm. So the, the key word here, most people might, might be thinking, looking at shutting down or broken, these words, or not broken, right? Actually, the most important word I think they're, we're focusing on, temporary. How long is temporary, yep. and what that time frame is? That's what everyone is trying to find. That's the key out. question. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, neither you or I or Warren Buffett can play God to say I know when. I don't know yeah. when, but I do know. I'm or I'm pretty certain it's going to be temporary. That temporary might mean forty-five days, sixty days, ninety days, uh, nine months, one year, or sometimes two years could be temporary. But, you know, uh, without the time for me exactly later. But I want everyone to focus on temporary. So that's the uh, way I'm going to answer the first question is that for the U.S. stimulus package, right, I think they are on the right track with a couple of things. One is that it has to be targeted because, you know, I'm sure you, you're being updated with the, with news these days. Like they're still working on the or, – or they have the plan, right? They just finished working on the plan. Now they send it to Congress, right? Congress has to approve it, right? Then send it to Senate, then Trump has to sign it. So there's still process there for the physical policy. Uh, I, I, I look at the detail of that bill today. Um, mm-hmm. It did seem like it addresses a couple of things. One, okay, okay. Uh, like everything Trump does, it's got to be, you know, the word, the, 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 you can see his face on the way with the quotation marks says tremendous. You know, he loves to use the word tremendous mm-hmm. or great, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So he has to use a great number, one trillion. Okay. So one, I don't think it's a bad thing to, 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 to give a large number. It might not get, the whole thing might not be approved by the Congress, but one trillion is a good start. What, and what's exactly in the one trillion package? Five hundred fifty billion directly to United States citizens and its permanent residents, and basically Mm -hmm. residents meaning anyone who pays tax. So for people who work here, like say our friends or you know uh, who pay tax here or whatever, uh, they will be rewarded too. Is that uh, they're going to spend five hundred fifty billion on giving every American a thousand dollars direct payments? I think that should help a lot of hourly wage workers, the ones I was talking about. Okay, and five hundred—that's five hundred fifty billion out of that one trillion. Three hundred billion going to small business owners. To give them an emergency relief act, mm. so basically they can help their landlords, and government will pay some of it, and also uh, they can go with contractual laws by saying, okay, these things are, are undeniable forces, are you know, are unforeseen circumstances mm. that can't be humanly controlled, and mm. landlords actually don't have the right to the entire payment of the rent. You know what I'm saying? So a landlord have to take a haircut as well. So, and that mm. 300 billion was to put small businesses will balance out. So basically, basically landlords will take a little bit of profit. Small business owner will have to pay some back later on, but the government will take care of the, will settle the difference or the argument of that difference in, the, in between what's that $300 billion. Mm. And the last part is to bail out certain key parts of the economy, like about 150 billion or so. Like the airline industry, if they need uh, government extending loans, they can do that. 
Um, mm-hmm. Because you know, longer term, like Delta's United, not or are they are uh, not okay. Also, I'm gonna add another point right after this. Is that they are not. There are different sectors of the economy, different kind of industries, right? Then you know, as we move this way, we're diving more specifically into industries and, and different stocks uh, and different companies because you know, stocks are essentially companies behind them. So. Mm-hmm. For Delta airline, Delta or United or these or American Airlines or these these companies, they are a necessity for uh, a society. You know, they're not going away because mm-hmm. so you, even though now their profits is really really taking a large hit and they have loans and short term debt obligations and long term debt obligations to pay for. But if the government government knows they can give them a pretty secure loan and at a reasonable interest rate, and mm-hmm. event once this is over, they can generate cash flow and pay them back. You know what I'm saying? So that's one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to support these businesses. And second, obviously, the biggest out of them all is Boeing. You know, what, what the Americans, uh, Americans, once America's great pride, which was just last year, you know, now hit with the double whammy of the uh, the, the, the problem with uh, 737 uh, can't fly. So half their fleets can't go and airlines are getting getting their money back, uh, suing Boeing. And and then uh, the other half, because they want to sell more airplanes, but they're withdrawing all their orders because now, you know, air travel is slowing down. So Boeing is really uh, in trouble here. It needs to be bailed out almost. So government will help them too because they have a, Boeing has a lot of uh, uh, engineering talents, has a lot of intellectual property rights, and they make they do a lot of the national defense business. So it's, it's basically um, like a nationalized company in China. Uh, that government will definitely save them, won't let them just go bankrupt. So that's the, that part. So I do think, to answer the first part, I do think the stimulus package is, is good, is enough. Uh, now, just, that's the nitty-gritty of the politics. Would Democrats mm-hmm. pass this bill? That's the unique part of American politics, right? Because they're going to push back and forth. Um, there's an election coming up in November. Mm-hmm. It's in their least interest to help um, a Republican president to get reelected. So mm-hmm. even though I know it's it's absolutely ridiculous, Wall Street is furious over this. Economists are furious over this. They're like, this is time to you know to give up that uh, partisan view and be bipartisan and think for the bigger picture and think for the country. Stop that political fight. You know, just freaking you know approve the thing and and then let the economy, let people get you know uh, some some relief package and let everyone get a thousand dollars basically. You know, and then uh, have the economy recover and you know you can. You can diss on Trump later, but you got to approve this thing, you know. But anyways, but regardless of that, it's going to be a process. I do think, but to answer your first question, though, I do think that is a good mm-hmm. strategy and that is enough. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And your second question is, uh, you were asking about the, mm-hmm. uh, what was your second question? Sorry. Oh, do you think the effect will be more centralized and more felt? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Different regions. Like different regions. Exactly. Or... Yep. Exactly. So yep. I, um. So here's the thing, I I see a sharp. This is a not only just economical thing, it's a societal thing as well. I did a, I did a little bit just research, just you know personal research. I thought there's a sharp difference between the awareness on this, and mm-hmm. uh, therefore uh, naturally, I'm not saying it's good, it's good or bad or right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Just people, mm-hmm. you know, really have to make their own decisions. Um, as a society-wise, I do think we should uh, encourage people to stay inside and just you know care for others and stuff. But yep. there are people who you know they, it is still a free. People still have to have the right to make their own decisions. I think you know it's not a so authoritarian like a king says you have to do this otherwise kill you that kind of country. So mm-hmm. um, I do think there's a sharp difference difference in terms of awareness. Like San Francisco, Bay Area, uh, certain parts of LA, like LA County versus New York, mm-hmm. these places. One, they're you know pretty. Um, that really it's an infectious disease and and the rates going up. So people see that and also people are fairly educated. People realize that and also cities more dense. 
okay. to sh- easier to shut down. Um, so they will get hit the hardest. Okay. And people at these places will need a significant relief package or just sort of like local government states, everything has to, people have to, these people need to be bailed out. Like I'm telling the bottom part of, bottom part of income population in New York, San Francisco, LA, they have to be bailed out because the rent, the everything living expense yeah. is so high there, they cannot afford not to work for three months, man. I mean, like, it's just, you know, uh, so I think I they need it most. Yes, exactly. So to answer your question, they need the most. However, okay. if you move like a two hours away from LA in San Diego, by go to La Jolla Beach, like remember the spot, you know, I take you a lot to the, with the view and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like uh, not that exactly where we, where we uh, dine, but yep. the view we look at, that beach, okay. is crowded. There's still a lot of people. <laughs> people mm. are still hanging out. Um, uh, for good or bad, again, I'm not going to judge on their behavior, but even though it, they do have reasonable amount of social distancing, it's pretty far from each other, you know. Um, but still, um, it's it's. It, I, I think some parts will do okay. Or let's say there's a difference between a cafe shop that delivers, you know, makes coffee. People can still come in, grab and go. Uh, they can't mm-hmm. dine anymore. Uh, they can sit in there and then work on their projects and open their laptops at Starbucks anymore or something like or for a boba tea shop. But they can still get majority of the sales through uh, pickup or delivery. But there's a difference between, let's say, a pretty high-end fine dining Western steakhouse that it's all about dining in there, right? So mm-hmm. people don't really just go up. Just don't really just go there and pick up a hundred dollar steak and take it home to eat. If they're gonna do a yeah. pickup, they're gonna pick up like Chinese restaurant or something, you know. Yeah. So like, yeah, or sushi or something. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So 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 I was you 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 are right on that part. I, I think certain parts of the region don't need, and also because of living expense, right? Uh, the, mm-hmm. the 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 amount of money you need to live in Nebraska for three months uh, without working, it's totally different. Especially with the longer the time frame, you know, the, you know, because it's simple math. If you know one times the other, the number gets greater. So if 800 bucks can live in uh, per month can be can can be you know it can be done to live in Nebraska without working then three months is twenty four hundred dollars but in Los Angeles maybe you might need a two grand a month to live then three months is six grand you see the number end up being higher right uh, yep. dramatically higher as the time goes so uh, there'll be a big regional difference and one thing to add on that is <laughs> that shows how our globalization concern was uh, was real last time because these are the places that are international that were uh, that are booming during normal times that has mm-hmm. a lot of international population travels and all that and now they get hit the hardest and um i have no doubt they will bounce back especially at a personal note like i uh, my dad was in new york uh, during september 9 11 2001 um mm-hmm. I, I i i i still have some memories that he told me about or he, his memories he told me about and remember those um the, the strength of I won't dwell on it, but the strength of New Yorkers are are are, are incredible. Uh, when 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 the towers are falling, um, firefighters were running in there. No one was running out. They were literally running into the fire. Three hundred forty-three of them died. Uh, Three thousand mm. people of world elites. These are just I mean, these are world elites died in a few hours. So far, even. Just to keep things in perspective, even though the, the rates are going up, obviously there will move more people, more casualties from this, unfortunately. But so far, about 96 or 100 people from the U.S. died from coronavirus um, in you know a matter of month or so. I'm sure that mm-hmm. number will be uh, will be much larger. Yes, but um, 3,000 people died on September 11th, on September 11th in a few hours. So um, I'm sure, you, especially New York now, it's like a war zone. I talked to I have a lot of friends who live there. It's it is a uh, pretty pretty um uh serious situation there 
but I'm sure they recover. But yes, to, long story short, um, these places do need some serious recover, recovery to do, especially, if, again, for the bottom part of the population. That's the point Muhammad Alarian raised. I concur with very much. Because let's say for someone who works at Facebook in San Francisco or works at um, you know, Goldman Sachs in New York, um, they're working from home. They're maybe complaining a little bit, complaining a little bit online. Maybe they cancel their their vacation, right? Um, but they don't really like, you know, what I'm saying they they, mm. they 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 can go back to work, and yes. they're taken care of by like Fortune 500 companies who uh, who can't, you know, uh, do anything that's 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 too embarrassing. They have to pay these guys, and and, and even though if they're yeah. not willing to, but they will do it. But the bottom part of the population, where a bartender lives. Uh, Makes good money in New York. Imagine being a bartender in New York City. You actually make pretty good money if, if you work at good bars and stuff. But now you're like shut down. You can't bars aren't open. And but that's your typical job. That's your skill. Now what do you do? Right. So that's tough. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So so that's the five points, five negatives Neg- you wanted to talk yep. about, right? And the two question answers. Yep. yep. I can't wait to hear the positives. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> For some light, some light at the end of the tunnel, yep. right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes yes and, 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 and i had to keep it real you know it's reality i have to oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah i have to be real and, and you know i'm a natural uh more of naturally leaning towards being optimistic as well but oh, yeah. I, that's why i had to get the negative out of and, and they are you know truth you know they can't you can't be um delusional right so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. of course so positive okay a couple things one is that where um i i want to focus on the temporary part uh, for one, and then there might be two more coming up. One is that this, because it's not a system, uh, this, you know, it's not a complete system. It's not broken. Like in OA, it was broken, right? So I, those negatives I said, some of them are worse than OA. But now I'm going to get you the part where people talk about, oh, it's not like OA. It's not as bad. It, there's truth to that as well. Because the system is not broken. It's functioning. It was right, fu- really, really functioning well three weeks before this. <laughs> Correct? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when we were talking, maybe the week before, like I'm saying for the U.S. economy, the United States, right? It was functioning like right literally, which day did you get back? You get back on like February, something like that, right? Early February or late, the end of January? January Yeah. Or when we hung out in, you know, mid-February, it was functioning beautifully, right? Yep. So yep. now, so there's no mortgage debt crisis. There's no uh, credit debt crisis. There's no, mm-hmm. um you know, sort of any sort of a corruption or any sort of a war going on, anything like that, or social unrest, you know, maybe a little bit of unrest with election, you know, burning supporters and stuff like that, but, you know, there's no uh, civil war or anything like that. So the system is not broken. Then if we, as soon as we see the virus numbers peak, which I, you know, now I'm, uh, I would say uh, I was a little bit too optimistic early on to, you know, people have to look at it in the mirror and admit their own miscalculations too. I think, uh, not when we first talked, but I think during the last episode, or maybe a little bit mm-hmm. before or after, right around that range, about three weeks ago, uh, I was thinking, you know, a couple thousand might be might be it for U.S. But now we're at a couple thousand, and we know it to the end. So to, to, mm-hmm. to be the end. So I was I was I was wrong at that point. So but now looking at from this point moving forward, look at look at realistically, right? We might still be about six to eight weeks away from the peak of the U.S. numbers, right? From the virus, just virus perspective. Now, but however. The first positive is that U.S. United States government has taken extreme measures, desperate measures at desperate times. Now, okay, now we're seeing the mainstream media and the government is taking actual serious measures, like as far as their constitution allows them to, right? Like New York's going to have shelter in place, San Francisco has shelter in place. That means curfew, you cannot go outside, shut down, right? Mm. It's not martial law where some army guy going to be downstairs, National Guard going to shoot you. 
But that means like, but if you look at live, there's a satellite data, like hedge fund use these satellite things to look at streets, traffic data, stuff like that. No one's on oh, really? Well, no one, okay. yeah. No, yeah, you can pay for these services. They're a little bit expensive, but it's kind of worth it just to see uh, the economy. But anyways, uh, San Francisco, people, uh, the curfew was enforced on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And we're on Tuesday. No, no, people are not going anywhere, man. Um, they, obviously, mm-hmm. they stack, They had a chance to stack up before uh, last week or last week, too. And uh, people are not going anywhere. New York City, people aren't going. Uh, this was simply I saw on TV today. St. Patrick's Day, supposed to be a day where Irish people get drunk and it's kind of a party a holiday thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything's closed. The street's empty. Um, that's extreme measure. Two is that Pentagon today said, I just said, spoke about the martial law. Pentagon, they might consider deploying National Guards if any cities resist that. So if National Guards on the street, okay, <laughs> I don't think anyone, uh, even, you know, in the hood mm-hmm. is going to go out. You know, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's no reason to do that you know, yeah. when we see the National Guards. Okay, so, uh, and, and Wall Street General reported that Pentagon's, they are ready, basically it says they are ready to deploy National Guards if needed. You know, they're on standby. So, this is the, um, you know, the, the most authoritarian, you know, you should say it's going to get. And, 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 and I think the government has taken extreme measures, especially for these, uh, I would say, coronavirus hotspots. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's a good thing because that, uh, things get worse before they get better. This might be the worst. Right. So, mm. and, and when we reach that point, that may reach the capitulation point where it's so bad, it can't go worse anymore. Then it's starting to get better. You know what I'm saying? So, mm. I think from a social standpoint, that's very true. And, you know, you see celebrities, everyone's posting social distancing, everyone's elbowing each other, you know, like just, you know, just it's, 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 um, everyone's staying at home, making home videos and stuff like that. So, that's good. So, I'm thinking from a society standpoint, the awareness there, that's number one. Two mm. is that, um, once it's, a, once we reach that peak, right, um, the total, let's just say, how about 10 times from today's rate, you know, 5,000 people, let's say 50K, um, 3% fatality rate, right? So we're looking at 1,500 people-ish die from it. Double that, 3,000 people, same as in a couple hours in, on September 11th. And not saying um, that's, you know, from a humanitarian standpoint, that's uh, extremely sad. Those people will lost their lives and will some of them will lose their lives but uh from us just from a base rate society population standpoint um it's still you know far from 0.1 percent you know it's still in the tenth it's still every it's still you know in the in the in the in the tens of thousands range so um that would not have a longer term impact after the coronavirus is over right Mm -hmm. and so basically that's from a health perspective the second uh, first one is from city government wise. Third is that everyone's eager to get back to the way it was. Trust me, everyone is. So yep. Coachella was canceled, NBA is canceled, uh, conferences are canceled, all these things. People still like. For one example, talked to my friend yesterday. Uh, he's a, he he works at a large uh, real estate developing firm. They have a project, a community apartment rental community to build. Uh, from the scratch in Dallas, the deal was done. They were was going to uh, have an on-site visit. Then they're going to start building this apartment community. Uh, but, it, you know, everything stops. Uh, Zoom conference can't, you know, uh, you can only talk enough on Zoom. You, you can't really start building bricks, you know, on, on, on the ground. So by the time this is over, the project is going to start. You know, it's on hold right now, but it's going to start, right? Uh, by the time this is over, NBA talk about they're going to play later in the summer and stuff. And that's a, you know, $6 billion business. Uh, that's gonna 
go back to live and people are still going to go in and watch it and still bring live TV, at least stuff like that. So I think the recovery, just like this is a certain sharp, sharp drop mm-hmm. uh, and it's very quick. Uh, but I think the recovery should be pretty quick as well because there's nothing fundamentally broken about a system. Because if you broke a, like if you, let's say human body or something, if you, if the system is, let's just say it's like a car, right? If the engine or the system is broke, something's going on wrong with it. You know, when you drop it at a shop at the, at the dealership, uh, they're going to take a while to fix it, right? Like you're going to leave it there for a couple of weeks. But if it's just, a, mm. if it got a tire puncher, right? <laughs> if, if you got a deflated, you know, if you got a nail in the tire and pop, you know, now it can't, can't be driven. They'll be told the dealership it's horrible, uh, right? Because um, you have to be told and call roadside assistance and all that. But as soon as the tire, or new tire arrives, you're good to go. So I think mm. that's a good analogy here. So the, the, the car itself is not broken. You just need mm. new, new tires. The t- but the tires are currently punctured right now. We need to use all of these extreme measures to get the tow truck there because you are on the five freeway coming back from San Francisco to LA on that mountain. Like, you know, the tow trucks takes six hours to get there. Uh, yeah. real life story by the way that happened to me once so yeah. um and by the time the tow truck gets there uh, i i couldn't make to my next stop to san francisco i had to spend the night at a hotel in like some uh valencia i think uh near six flags um then the next day take the car to the, the cars at the dealership the tires being replaced until 2 p.m i can finally get on my road trip to san francisco which was you know delayed for a day but you still get going and uh charlie there's a f- f- philosophy here I want to – I was going to make it point four, but I'll add it to point three, I guess, and point four will be mm-hmm. separate. Is that Charlie Munger says something, um, and, and this is in math as well. It's a, Every mathematician knows this. Mean reversion is one of the most powerful forces in the universe. So if things get really, really bad, it will mm-hmm. mean revert. It will go back to normal distribution. You know, you will see how numbers change. You will see that that's why there's a medium for every number for, for a group of stats, collected numbers. That's why there's an average for that. So if this is really, really, really bad, and 2020 has been a crazy year, I think everyone <laughs> agrees. Um, if this is as bad as it gets, uh, one, don't don't just write a year off. 2020 is not canceled. We're only at middle, well, towards the end of March. Only Q1 is not finished yet even. So uh, Q2 might be completely written off because the quarantine and everything. Q3 might still be slowly recovering. Q3 starts September 1st, by the way, six months from now. So, you know, there could be a chance that uh, could be much better. But just Q3 even effective. Q4 should be strong because here comes my point number four. Holiday season spending, holiday season traveling, it's like one of the biggest boosts for the United States, right? Thanksgiving and Christmas combined all together at the end of November, at the beginning of December. And November's voting season, people still get out. And just, I'm just saying there's things going on. And... Uh, and holidays and people's gonna spend all of these merchandises were not bought. U.S. consumers always were willing to buy things. They'll be bought, and you know, Amazon will be selling a lot of things other places too. And so, I think we should have a pretty strong finish towards the end of the year. That's my consensus. And obviously, that's an opinion. It's not a fact. Uh, we don't. No one knows yet. But I think uh, looking a little bit beyond what the current couple of weeks or month, uh, hmm. we should have a pretty. Uh, we should have a light at the end of the tunnel. The tunnel maybe. Uh, Definitely longer than I thought three weeks ago, but just know there, you know, the t- the tunnel isn't infinite. So, so, mm. so we'll get there. So basically, that's number four, which is the mean reversion part, and just, just literally is the by the nature of uh, the the world. And and one more thing for audience for you, then then I guess uh, I'll stop on positive is that the mean reversion is that you feel every day in your life or every year in your life, right? If you have a really really happy couple of weeks or happy couple of events happening. The, Maybe not the next day or next month, but definitely in the from a longer term frame, like say looking back three years back, there was after a super happy period, there's definitely a 
you know, pretty dicey situation or, you know, dare I say, uh, depressed or sad or chaotic things happen, sometimes out of your control, right? Then things get good again. That's just literally how the universe works because at the end of the day, it's a medium average of, of how it, you know, things, are, uh, things are just not so good and not so bad. But on each given moment, it's never average. It's never medium. It's always pretty good, very good, or pretty bad or horrible, you know what I'm saying? But the average is not so bad or not so good. Then right now, since things are really, really bad for the world economy, then the main revert, just like for the last you know, seven, eight years, really, really good for the United States. Now it's taking a huge hit. No one thought this could impact the U.S. like this, right? Even Not even through recently. Yeah. But now, I think, or in a, given the time, it should mean revert. I see. I yep. see. I see. I see. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I hope I made again, philosophical sense there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And again, to insert some questions, mm-hmm. uh, going back to your point one, you said mm-hmm. uh, one positive is that we don't have any other sort of you know, credit debt crisis or mortgage debt crisis like we had before in other, other times. Mm-hmm. So, do you think there are any other indicators or potentially causes for a possible recession other than the virus, right? Because you, as you mm-hmm. probably know that, you know, in the past mm-hmm. three years, there's been ongoing mm-hmm. talks about a possible mm-hmm. downturn, mm-hmm. Right? a possible mm-hmm. crash, recession, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. I bet, I'm sure a lot of people will think that this Black Swan event may be a trigger, trigger yep. for a more long-term Mm-hmm. Sort of negative situation. Right? Mm-hmm. Great question. Great question. Mm-hmm. So basically, adding to the title will be uh, to push back on Robert's title will be saying, "Okay, good. The world is temporarily shutting down. Get it? But it's mm-hmm. not broken. But could the temporary shutdown make the world break? Right? Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Is this could, the it's not broken now. It's not broken now. But it could <laughs> break it. Right? It could break it. Yep. Yeah. I see. Yeah, this is sort of like the, the nudge. Yes, the yeah. nudge yep. of the situ- situation. And right? and this nudge is big enough, man. Yeah. It's big enough. So, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, my take on that, I'll give a balanced view too. Uh, the balance, the, the left side of it, the negative side is, um, it definitely could, especially for U.S. Uh, companies who have high corporate debts. And I touched on it briefly, I think, very beginning, at diving into, I said, I'll dive into industries and stocks mm-hmm. and different companies later. So I separate these things. So these things are never a bi- I can't give a binary answer on it because mm. things are not binary, right? So for some certain industries, it will be very, very bad. Let's yeah. just say... Delta United, these things are necessities. Air travel, people will get back to it, you know. Okay, first. Second, uh, certain things like almost like a must-have entertainment, uh, like a, you know, music festival who are canceled this year, they'll have next year. Like, there's no reason Coachella's brand is destroyed and they won't have anything anymore next year, right? Mm-hmm. So they'll, they'll have it again, likely to actually see high demand, right? Um, mm-hmm. And what NBA, like, you know, Players still there, you know. Even a couple of them test positive, I don't think they would die. <laughs> so mm-hmm. just personally, you know, they're, they're like the, you know, they're literally the healthy as a twenty year olds mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, then, then, then the, the games will be played because the contract signed with TV and TV's ESPN's to be honest to Disney and Disney definitely wants all these things. Oh, and speaking of Disney, all the movies are delayed, right? They'll still come mm-hmm. out, right? James Bond, mm-hmm. 007, like these things are not. They're not gonna throw the movie away. So mm-hmm. they will. If, so some of the things that essential will get back quickest, like air travel, hotel, these things. Then second part is like entertainment part. Uh, they'll be delayed. They might be get like say movie theater will definitely resume later than airline like stuff like that. But uh, some point they will, and uh, and and then they will get back uh, at a medium sh- time frame. Then some things might go pretty bad for a couple of years if they can't sustain their debt level and the government don't bail them out and government can't bail everyone out, especially in the US, uh, are going to get bankrupt. Those are, mm. for example, some cruise lines. 
Because if people yeah. cancel cruise tickets this year, okay, mm-hmm. and they're not shipping, they're not going anywhere right now. They're not even they're not even allowed to go on to go into the sea, and no one's buying. Then the next peak cruise season is typically let's say around Christmas. I talk about the holiday season and stuff uh, for colder, you know, northeastern or Canadian people to go to Caribbeans, right? Uh, but because uh, mainly their audiences are the baby boomers who are retired, who are older generations who go on cruises, yeah. and they're the most vulnerable. They're uh, they watch TV every day. They're taught that they're the vulnerable senior citizens are the vulnerable, you know, population, right? So mm-hmm. they may have this 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 shadow in their head, be like, okay, uh, maybe I'll skip cruise this year. You know, cruise wise was just nine months ago. What if something on a cruise happened? And you know, we saw those stories with Diamond Cruise, Prince Cruise Ship, and all that. So this year is definitely they don't get earnings back. Then next year, twenty twenty one. If there's another, no, no, I'm not saying like any pandemic like this, but you know, flu season or coronavirus might be, there's a little bit of news resurfacing again. I think those people will choose a different way to vacation. It's not a must to go on a cruise. So, uh, so, so, so they might still go somewhere to hang out and, and to have fun. But cruise industry, I think, will be impacted for a couple of years. Um, and, 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 uh, some of them, like Carnival Cruise Line, CCL stock ticker, if you look into the debt obligation they do, they are due for, if they don't have any revenue for the next couple months and stuff, um, they can't survive more than about nine to twelve months. Twelve is the maximum. So, yeah. uh, so, 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 so that means they have to file bankruptcy for p- bankruptcy protection. Then that means you know their stock basically goes to zero. Then then they're selling every selling all their ships, which are worth something, to pay back the the, the debt issuers. Uh, that's a horrible situation for that specific industry. And these industries are likely, I, I'm, I'm saying likely, just anything could happen, are likely not being able to be, be being bailed out by the United States government because governments will prioritize, again, necessities and mm-hmm. intellectual property, such as Boeing. They will never let Boeing go, trust me. They will never let Boeing go. That's why uh, at the end, I will give some, maybe some recommendations, like Boeing would be a good stock to own right now. Like they will ne- never let Boeing go. And But they can let Carnival Cruise Line, you know, go bankrupt. It's not, you know, it's such a private sector thing. So that's that part. And one more belongs to that category. So a lot of small businesses, that's the part I worry the most. Small business, the backbone of the country, they hire 70% of employment. Oh, by the way, yeah, this is the actual stat too. Small business in America, that means uh, annual revenue, $5 million or less, defined as small business, okay? Uh, So pretty small, actually. Hire 70% of the United States workforce. So 70% employment comes from that. So that's why this stimulus package, this $1 trillion package I talk about, that's getting approved by Congress, that the White House draft, um, if it doesn't get passed, which I think it will, it just takes time. There, you know, there's a lot of political back and forth. But if if they don't help these people like as soon as possible or this whole thing doesn't get passed, um, whatever, then the small businesses, they will at the end of the day, they will they might they can sustain a little bit, but they will have to start firing people. And then we look at a if you can have your let's say both hands out right now, like left hand is the supply. Right hand is the you know is the is the demand. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, we won't see that sharp recovery. I I I I'm predicting after say uh, six months or two quarters or so because when the time comes back, when people were willing to spend again, party like crazy again, which people uh, do want to do that after long term of quarantining and shutting down and stuff. Uh, they they realize they don't have that money in their pocket because they don't have a job anymore. So when that demand is supposed to come back, when the supplies come back, all the bars are open, restaurant bars, are every, you know, clubs, everything open. Supply comes back, no demand anymore because people don't have money. Mm. So so that so because the demand is supposed to be stronger, you know, what I'm saying in my in my prediction. So that's the part where you back to you know the very very first beginning. We have to t- and I'm quoting my Herman Alaria. It's not my original point of view, but I concur with him strongly and becomes my own view. Is that we have to protect the bottom part of the population, 
it's uh, it's vital. Yeah. It's and and from from a standpoint where to make uh, other parts of society stable and to make you know us more comfortable and and, and stuff like uh, not um speaking strictly, he's saying protect them from a strictly economical point of view to make the world not broken. Not saying even you know from a humanitarian point of view we should do that. Of course, always to you know seek more social benefits for people who have less opportunities. But he's mm-hmm. talking about from an economical functioning perspective, these people have to be rock and rolling, live the life like they lived a month ago to make the economy run. Otherwise, it's just going to be empty pocket. So, mm. yeah. I see, so, so I, th- I, ho- I hope that, that answers your question. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, there is a possibility, mm-hmm. and, and, and that will be the vital part, the, literally, man, the, the, the physical policy part, the, um, the, that exact $1 trillion package that Trump is proposing. Yeah. Mm, I see, I see, I see, I see. Mm-hmm. So, um, and also going off your mm-hmm. to uh, going off of your previous positive points, mm-hmm. um, you also said that your outlook on the U.S. economy is op- leaning. I guess there are still optimistic sides mm-hmm. uh, that we could take because we were, you know, the U.S. was going on a decade-long pretty good run, mm-hmm. and uh, the the stock market was at all-time high during 2019, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, but do you think other countries' economic mm. uh, condition mm. would potentially impact the U.S. ability to recovery? recovery? Mm. How much of an impact do you think, let's say, um, a situation in Europe mm. uh, where they didn't have that great of an economy to start with before this coronavirus happened? Right? Yeah. Let's say they don't recover mm-hmm. um, or they take longer to recover. How big of a negative impact could that have on the U.S. market or economy? Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, great question. I was going to touch on not only Europe and also China and India emerging markets as mm-hmm. well. But, uh, so, yeah. um, so here's two things. Uh, we touch on fiscal policy, which is you know what government can do to stimulate its economy and say that's extremely important. Uh, the reason I didn't speak about monetary policy, uh, there's two reasons. One is that Federal Reserve has done enough to they brought interest rates back to zero, right? It was at 1.75%. Mm-hmm. So they basically brought it down 175 basis points, which is unprecedented in like a couple weeks, right? So interest rates yeah. zero, they uh, they keep printing money basically. You know, they're buying treasury bonds, 500 billion one day, 700 billion another day. I think it's about there's three rounds of 500 billion, one round of 700 billion to the markets already. And I want that. And the reason I didn't bring, I didn't really emphasize on that because it, it is important to make the market function, but it's a little bit too technical. It's the report market. It's how to um, have the Wall Street traders to be able to have enough liquidity to sell or buy to make the market function. Okay. Um, and, and, and there's a lot of mechanics underneath it, uh, like commercial paper market, things like that. But anyways, so basically monetary policy-wise, Federal Reserve is doing enough of the job because they can act on their own. They're, they're an independent agency. They don't need anyone's approval to do anything. So they are going hmm. all out using the 2008 type of uh, measure to to deal with this so they're doing all they can so um with that being said that the reason why i have to bring all that up is because uh one strength uh if you talk about comparative advantages uh u.s still has is that this is a dollar dominated world and it does not just like i said temporary shutdown not broken the system did not change the world order at least in short term did not change after this so since it's a dollar dominated world uh once U.S. assets back to like say the normal level, like you know, markets is down like thirty percent plus, um, which 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 it's from average index perspective, it's quite a lot. And from if you look at individual stocks, it's even 
it's 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 even worse. There's there are things like down like seventy percent, you know, eighty percent. So uh, once those things come back a little bit, people will see still see U.S. especially the top companies, and you know we're talking about. Uh, it sounds like a broken record, but you know, have to repeat these things. We have to talk about Amazon, Microsoft. We're talking about uh, Apple, Google. These things here. We're talking about search engine for the world. We're talking about cloud computing, the best cloud for the world. We're talking about the leader of economists, right? We're talking about social media. Everyone uses in the across the globe. Yeah. These things here, and and we're talking about you know on the other banking side, the the, the, the best capital markets in the world here. Um, and a lot of other things, and it's mean of travel, right? The U.S. is the mm. you know the largest travel destination so far too. So that creates you know generally once travels back up. So the once uh, things normalized, global investors will see U.S. still have the uh, comparatively higher quality assets, but at a cheaper price compared to it before. So they will still mm. rush to purchase these assets. That's why in 08, U.S. came back faster too, even though it dropped the hardest, you see what I'm saying? But it came back the earliest. You know, U.S. on March, uh, this, these are the exact days because I consulted uh, people and stuff. Um, uh, crash started really October of 08, and then uh, on March, around March 09, it started coming back up. Basically yeah. recovered most of its loss by, 2000, by the end of 2009, before 2010. And the rest of the world, Europe didn't recover till. 2012, like two years, mm. much, much later. So, uh, and uh, China, because it was a little bit isolated, then it wasn't totally to global economic system, especially stocks yet. So uh, it's a different story. It didn't go much, go down much. It didn't go up much. It stayed flat. Um, but so, so, so uh, that is point one. So global people, uh, investors and money was still coming to us to fire higher quality companies. So let's say if you know how, like how many people liked, let's say a month ago, when it was all time highs, right? When, when that was all time highs, that means, Whenever there is a seller, there's a bidder, right? So if people were buying Apple at $350, now they must like it more at $240, correct? Mm-hmm. So if Apple goes down more, people don't like it. For, I'm saying for the same people. For the people who don't like it, will never like it, right? We would never like that, mm-hmm. purchasing that, yeah. that security. For people who like it at $350, they like it more at $240. It's just like they don't have cash right now or they got burned out in other things. But when they do, you know, uh, when the stimulus comes in, they will buy at $240. Right. Oh, and by the way, mm-hmm. and all the way to the end, after even uh, after the, the public recording is done, uh, I'll show you some private uh, actions I'm taking as well. But that's uh, sure. sorry to the audience, I can't sh- share those things at the moment on the <laughs> on public platform. But I'll share that to you. But anyways, the point is, um, so people are doing those things, and that's one. Two, it's a dollar dominate, right? Two is that uh, this is a pretty interesting theory I heard uh, uh, from a, uh, a, ch- a Chinese friend who's in China. And his opinions, oh. uh, just you know, uh, I want to I want to make sure it's safe saying it's not my opinion, you know? uh, but okay. but I, it's something I I think is interesting take. Uh, uh, but okay. the Mahamayalian point, I took it as I I now it's my opinion as well. But this one, I think okay. he's saying okay. So the smart money in the U.S. like Blackstone and stuff, right? They just recently took okay. uh, they took Soho China private to buy global assets. They're moving out of the U.S. because the U.S. enjoyed a great run. They take a lot of money from them. Blackstone, you know, they're probably going to buy a lot of uh, other companies, mergers and stuff. Now they're looking to Europe distressed assets because Europe, like, and, and I think you probably share this view, same with me as well. After these extreme measures that U.S. taken, who, from a human health buyer's perspective, where do you think compared United States to, let's say, England, Germany, Italy, whatever, uh, the entire EU, uh, which one do you think has uh, a higher chance to get to recover? I'm saying from a human virus control perspective uh, to get this under control faster. I think U.S. right, just by governmental control and stuff like that, right? 
because you and also by um by by um in terms of you know more superior um uh you know uh, biotech technology and and disease control technology things like that and and europe is really yeah Go ahead. Yeah, both have. I think the U.S. definitely um, has higher chance of coming up with mm-hmm. the first vaccine. Mm-hmm. Well, there are, are. I think a lot of some people are still already on uh, first stage clinical trial for mm-hmm. the, uh, for some vaccines. Yeah. Um, one problem the U.S. could have is that the um, number of hospital beds per thousand people is actually very low, compared yeah. even to a lot of European countries. I yeah. believe it's at two point eight beds per yeah. thousand people. Mm-hmm. But whereas in a lot of European countries, it goes to five, six, seven. So that might yeah, they're a small population. population. Yeah, true, right. true. But also the infection, the the rate of the infected people out of the population is higher, right. and they have a more older population. Oh, much Italy, yeah, Italy has the oldest. <laughs> That's why they're yeah, uh, yeah they really had some bad luck. Yeah. They were the first one that had outbreak, and they were the oldest population in entire Europe. So yeah, yeah, and also yeah. Italian people love to kiss and hug each other. That was really when, <laughs> right? No, seriously, it's a triple. Because they, they, they didn't stop doing that until like last week, you know. Um, but but you know, at the, at the beginning, I'm saying you know, in February when there were there was hundreds of uh, cases around that point, it wasn't thousands yet. Italian people were still you know kissing and shaking their hands and hugging, yeah. So, <laughs> which is the perfect way to. You know, and I might have played a pretty big role. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously, triple whammy. The oldest and the uh, close relationship with China and the and the. Um, mm-hmm. the the, the kissing culture and the, well, I mean, the, the intimate uh, greeting culture. So, um, yeah, with, but that's to your previous point. Yeah, so you think the U.S. will recover faster than Europe? I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, so, so yeah. likely. Yeah, so likely you should recover faster. So this is the point that uh, a friend in China makes, uh, that uh, which I see legit. Like these private equity groups and the U.S. smart money, we call them, they will go to right. take over some of European's distressed asset, like okay. uh, Standard Bank. Uh, like a could be Adidas, could be you know mm-hmm. uh, some sort of uh, let's say uh, maybe not Louis Vuitton, but like a Capri. You know, Capri is like a luxury good manufacturer in France. Like you know, has like Versace mm-hmm. and all that, uh, mm-hmm. and and you know, take these uh, buying these things maybe in pieces of the stocks or take over the whole company at a much lower price because if Europe uh, Europe's demand, uh, but some part of it's due to their is, is from the internal. A lot of demand is from China as well. So China's recovering a little bit, but you know, people are not really just buying Louis Vuitton bags like 20 days after quarantine, right? So people, China's still mm-hmm. slowing getting out. Is people not really spending, you know, uh, anything extra extracurricular yet? So um, Europe uh, might have a problem with when they are they are slower than U.S. to get out. Then when they get out, they don't see people buying their goods as much. The world demand slowed down quite a bit. And mm-hmm. um, their companies still don't generate enough revenue to pay back their debt. You know, this is, again, we're back to that thing because you know most of these most public traded companies run on pretty high leverage. That's just the way you know humans always. Uh, in Western countries, actually, even worse in China. But you know, all countries want to run uh, basically borrow from the future and and, yeah. and and boost current earnings. That's the way uh, humans are. But anyways, so they can't pay their debt then. U.S. money might want to come in to take over the distressed assets. Um, so that is an interesting point of view. Um, and uh, I, 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 I see a reasonable enough likelihood to see that happening. So if that's the case, then Europe loses its long-term competitive advantage as well. Because, you know, it doesn't have really innovative companies, but, you know, it has Louis Vuitton, has 200 billion, you know, LVMH, has ideas, uh, uh, you know, has, it has things. It, it's not, it's not, it's still a developed, uh, very developed economy. So, uh, but if that's the case, then 
I definitely see um, U.S. will uh, end up still have a pretty large competitive advantage. Then let's touch on emerging markets, China. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. This um, I looked ho- pretty hard into the China's uh, the Chinese GDP situation. Q1 is definitely a write off um, minus for sure. Uh, they might request something like plus one percent, but you know it's really minus. Uh, Q2, Q2 like by 2021 they came out with I think Reming uh, magazine or no Reming newspaper came out with the uh, uh, Reming Daily newspaper that's what it's called uh, came out with something like prediction saying by 2021. Uh, they, you know, our country, they're saying China can still return to uh, close to 6% growth. Um, but basically this year is right off and next year it's going to be hard to do it. So basically my point is uh, the deeper, the deep economic impact for China is actually pretty severe. Uh, virus is part of it because it's actually being, and, and, the, and the specific reason is way too long for, you know, just maybe we need another episode just to dive on the Chinese economy, but it's really being a reset, and I'm sure you know a lot about uh, direct, you know, uh, firsthand, you know, experience and, and direct data points too that I don't know about. Feel free to share. But basically, from 2016 and 15 ish, for the last five years, Chinese economy has really been in a recession. It's just the government, you know, sort of covers it up a little bit. Uh, uh, so okay. it's, it's, a lot of things are declining fast, and and people, um, especially private sector, like you know, uh, private sector enterprises, you know, we call them like mini um, they the anywhere between like a hundred million to three hundred million or three hundred million to five hundred million net worth R and B level, uh, these people they are they see their wealth declining pretty fast because especially for them who for those who uh, who uh, run in the traditional manufacturing industries uh, who own factories and stuff like that doesn't matter if they produce iron produce um, uh, cotton or could produce anything else. Because the global supply chain is changing, the trade war. So basically, late 2018, they got hit with trade war. Uh, now, some of the tariff are relieved. Now, here there was virus, and demand drop goes down. And the thing is, the reason why they, I, I don't, I see them uh, keeps gonna slow for quite a while is that just after they are, again, we can use both hands here virtually. Left hand for supply, right hand for demand. Just when they couldn't supply, right for the early for Q1, everything shut down. China's lockdown. Mm-hmm. They, they are some of business already uh, gone bankrupt after that. Right. Just when they couldn't supply. Uh, now they're like, oh, my God, you know, we like full going, you know, back to work and stuff. Uh, uh, it's great. You know, we can provide great supply for the world again. Then the world has the virus. <laughs> now the world demand is sh- took a huge shock. Right. Maybe besides yeah. toilet paper. That's the only thing. Plus mask. Right. So those are two best industries for the next 100 years. Toilet paper and mask. I'm kidding. But uh, it, it, besides those two things, like or, or you know, mi- mi- minimize other things. The world demand is really shock. And they're like, okay, oh, Apple doesn't want me, like, you know, uh, Foxconn, Apple, Apple's going to push the 5G phone to next year. I'm not going to make it this year. Or, you know, Nike doesn't ask, doesn't give me this much large order of uh, sneakers to make because, you know, no one's buying them. It's just a few. Like, then they are in a worse situation than these uh, companies in the U.S. because they, they have to get to work. Um, and just about today, they are ready to start, they hit with that the right hand. Our demand drops crazy because China is a net exporter. You know, it's a huge net exporter. So um, that's a, I just think it's going to have a ripple effect for the longer term, uh, as in just, you know, at least about a year or a little bit longer. So, um, so that's, that's Chinese economy. And, 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 and again, I'm not saying it's all bad and stuff. Like uh, there's, a, I was talking to a friend yesterday. Uh, these things, these traditional industry will continue to, to, to feel a large amount of pressure. And um, they, they, they own a lot of loans and stuff. And one more point is that, you know, obviously we talk about religion. 
from now on, companies will definitely re-strategize and move parts of their manufacturing supply chain to elsewhere. That's for sure. Because people now people are like, oh, we can't get this stuff because China's China. Then what, have, what if this thing happens in the future? So Apple will diversify. Nike, these things will diversify. So they will lose some business as well. And, um, and that's going to be tough for them. But again, I'm not saying always bad for China. I was talking for just like I was talking to a friend yesterday. I would say the industries that are evolving or growing will grow even faster. It's a, a comp- like a company like a Bike Dance. It's not public traded yet, right? It's private. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have their headqu- headquarters located moved to Singapore, and they're gonna get ready to go public in the U.S. Like Bike Dance, their TikTok is a sensation in the U.S. right now, right? You see everyone on IG posting that. Mm-hmm. Soon enough, I mean, I'm telling you, if you're Mark Zuckerberg, I'm worried as hell. You know, United States teenagers and soon enough young adults and celebrities will move to TikTok, right? So. Um, and, and, and so companies like that, or like, uh, I don't know the English name for this, but like Fenzhong Chuanmei or anything, you know, the news, the new media, the, the sort of new tech and, you know, uh, industries or like, um, there's a, there, exactly. Or, or there's an online education company called, uh, Dao, something like, you know, these companies, they will continue to thrive in the Chinese economy because Chinese become more digital and, uh, uh from payment perspective, already more, a lot, already a lot more digital and other things. So these companies will continue to grow. So uh, if I'm a if I am let's say a Chinese regional investor I, or or an entrepreneur, I will focus on these industries, and these industries will have a very very big future. As I said, like mm-hmm. by Dance, some of them already has a global market that was never being done before, even by WeChat, by QQ, right? So uh, that will grow tremendously. However, the traditional industries, which is the backbone of the Chinese economy, <coughs> is still you know manufacturing. <laughs> so close to eighty percent of it is still manufacturing. That part is gonna gonna have a rough road gonna have pretty rough roads ahead and the roughest and the toughest time let me add one more thing on chinese economy the toughest time hasn't even hit yet because you know when the toughest time will be when actual one child policy people go into their prime and the people pre one child policy retire so 1975 people who are born in 75 today they're 45 years old right when those people hit 60 65 they retire those are the last generation who have who have siblings you know where governments allow them to have siblings from 80 mm. 1980 to 2015, basically, we have a 35-year gap of of what of people one-child policy. That means in the in about 15 years, Chinese manufacturing will get even harder because labor costs will be extremely extremely high. You know, unless we get immigrants, that's why we're trying to get you know, African immigrants and through you know, those policies too. So again, you know, if we're into China's you know uh, complicated structural economy stuff, we can do a completely different episode. But yeah, I'm gonna stop there. The mm. point is, you know, uh, I can I see that. Longer term wise, I see that manufacturing traditional economy version part of the Chinese economy will continue to be on a downward uh, spiral, uh, sometimes faster, sometimes to bounce a little bit. But the long term trend, I see it going down uh, in terms of uh, uh, their businesses. And uh, uh, I see certain parts of the new economy will thrive, especially the ones, uh, very few ones who can capture a global audience. And they will become very large companies. So that's for China. Yeah. I see. I see. I see. I see. Yeah. And you can tell. You know, I spent obviously. You know, both from China. Where I spent a lot of time on studying Chinese economy. So yeah. 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 Yes. 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 Okay. So those are some very good points. Um, you. Why don't we take less? Why don't we go from a more sort of global macro perspective to a more um, micro kind of perspective? So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. So I, a lot of people uh, in, in when faced with crisis like this, 
Mm -hmm. The market down mm -hmm. not not a crisis yet. Mm -hmm. They want to capitalize on that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, if you suggest for, I would say most of listeners are probably not um, an expert on mm -hmm. trading or expert on the stock market. Mm -hmm. What would be what would, you, what would be your recommendation for them? Mm -hmm. to, you know, be able to capitalize on this opportunity or at least not fail, not lose too much during these rough times. Got it. Okay, great. And also, uh, just to, uh, sorry for the audience, but, you know, I will share uh, specifically with you, my friend Roy, right after this uh, call, uh, this uh, sure recording with, sure this, with some private actions and, and you will see what sure exactly thing. what I'm doing. Okay, so for the audience, I think a couple of things here. Um, totally agree. And I love how we spend exactly an hour about an hour on Marco and then now we move to Michael. Mm -hmm. what, what are the actionable items, right, that we can do? Mm -hmm. So for people, uh, a couple of things. Um, I think one is that... Uh, if you really look back at the charts, look back at study the history, uh, if for people who already have positions, and most people are invested, right? Some have a big portfolio, some have a small, but most people are have some sort of portfolio. Yes, um, yep. middle class or up, right? Most people. So, uh, especially for U.S. stocks, if you don't buy, at least don't sell. That's rule number one. Do not mm. sell during a bear market. It mm. it does not make sense at all. One example: Starbucks. Three weeks ago, it was trading close to $100, 98-ish, okay? Trading at about 30 times price versus earnings, right? So their total valuation for the company, price to PE, the PE ratio, is about 30 times their that quarter's brand. Because, you know, they're, they're a great company. They have a mode, they have a brand, right? So uh, I don't think we're giving, uh, in, you know, I don't think we're giving them in too much of a premium for that. So 30 times. But now Starbucks is at $55. So the value is cutting in half. You have to ask yourself one question. If you, even for I'm saying for the people who own and want to sell, does Starbucks long-term intrinsic value decrease by half? The brand is half of what's worth. The total operation, everything is half. If you really think from that perspective, it's not, correct? Doesn't matter if it comes back three months, six months. Starbucks, because of coronavirus, the, the business is strength itself, the mode itself does not go down by 50%. <laughs> it's yeah. simply, if you think of it from that way, then it's very unemotional. It's actually easy to make decisions. So mm. then it comes to two choices. One, you own it at 100. Now it's at 50. What do you do? You add a little bit more. At least don't sell. Two, you don't have it at 100. What do you do now? You take five mm. grand and buy 100 shares of Starbucks and see it become 10 grand in six months. <laughs> you know? Mm. And that's why it's called the easier part of the, the, the market where it's almost mm. free give it to you but these things don't happen often in okay oh this is um i want to add this too is that howard marks you know what uh, which is founder of oak tree capital and, and considered a titan of the the, the the finance industry i had a pleasure of meeting him for 20 minutes but obviously mm. i read his book and listen to his stuff um uh, this is when he during an interview he said doing say for any 10 years spent for n about nine out of 10 years out of every 10 years uh, basically, you uh, for nine or ten years, you need professional investor to take care of investment for you, or or if you or you have to be highly skilled, is that you need patience, you need discipline, you need the security selection, you need uh, stock great stock making skills, you need to analyze reports, all this stuff because you need to choose because things doing nine out of ten years, most things are rationally priced. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. the world is it's going at a normal beat. Once yeah. in a while, you get things almost handed to you for free. You just have to do two things. One, cash is king. You have to have money to buy it. You can't be running, you know, to have nothing. Two, you just have to buy. And that at those points, it 
normally doesn't really matter as much. Doesn't not saying it doesn't matter, but doesn't as much what you buy. So if you like Starbucks down fifty percent, Disney was at one fifty a while ago. Now it's like ninety, so down like about forty percent. Uh, because you know people are concerned about Disney parks are closing, right? They lose thirty percent of revenue from all the parks and and um you know entertainment from those things. But Disney Plus online streaming's there. All the movies still coming out. Marvel's franchise, all that stuff. Then by the time coronavirus is over, parks will reopen. Do you think Disney's long term value as a business loses by? 40% because of coronavirus. If you don't, you need to buy, right? But the, the difference between buying Disney and buying Starbucks actually isn't that big as long as you have the money and you do it. But he's saying basically every 10, 12 years, sometimes it takes 20 years, they hand it to you for free once. You just got to go pick it up. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So that's this is where we're, we're talking about micro. We're getting to the part I'm, you know, very optimistic here because if you look at yes. things specifically, if you go in with a clear target, you know, with a bullseye on you, you know, keep the bullseye on, and with the, you can find tremendous value here, you know. Um, mm. So um, th- 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 that's something I want to address. So one is don't sell, uh, uh, buy at least don't sell, at least at least bottom line at least don't sell. Okay, if you you know if you can't just you know just leave leave it. Then a couple years later we'll be back to where it was again. You don't because you know Buffett says anything. I always say this in Chinese English too. Non realized losses are not losses. You know. 没有卖出的亏损，不是最终的亏损。It's yeah. just mm. on there floating. You know, it, it, the transaction mm. didn't occur. It's on paper. God, IRS doesn't even text you for that. Yeah, IRS doesn't mm. even text you for that. Let's say my Tesla position went up four hundred percent last year. I paid zero tax because I haven't sold it, right? So I mean, yeah. IRS doesn't text me for unrealized gains. I, if I sell it, it's a realized mm. gain, right? So you know, unrealized losses are are unrealized. They are not losses here. So that's uh, the really really the first point. And second, mm. what can people do is, as far as the simple buying strategy, average out. If you have $100,000 laying around, want to buy some stocks, or let's just say 1000 then um, you don't know when is the bottom. Even really, really smart people, Warren, mm-hmm. they are um, maybe more sure of the bottom than or have a better clarity than regular folks. But uh, they still don't know when's the exact absolute lowest and buy at that point and sell ten, five, five years later at the exact highest, that exact point. No one does that. You know, we can't play God here, right? Uh, so yeah. uh, let's be not to be delusional. Then what you can do is, let's say, if it's already down a lot, uh, income market down 30%, only happens three times in history, in the entire 124-year history, then uh, what you, you should do is uh, for the next couple of weeks, Right. Let's say if you have ten, you know, I use the example of hundred or hundred k or one thousand. Let's just in the middle, ten k, for the next five weeks. Right. People can deploy two thousand dollars each week. Two thousand dollars each week by the favorite stock. If it goes down more, you end up owning more. Right. If it's start coming back up, that's okay. You're still deploying, it and it still takes time to you know to get to really to that high again. So yeah. Um, so. Buying slowly, don't deploy the capital all at once, you know, because if you all you have is 10K, then you deploy all at, let's say, uh, stock price of $55. Uh, what if it goes to 51, you know, 43, then you can buy more. So deploy it slowly, gradually. And uh, and once you make that decision, don't look back, you know, don't be uh, flush, try to flush with the emotion and then uh, see the news and go crazy. Uh, that's not the way people do real businesses anyways, uh, and people shouldn't treat yeah. stocks that way. That's second. Third thing is really a summarize on the philosophy of the first two is that, look, Buffett said a famous thing, and, and, and th- th- these are times like this. I read the whole um, the book of the asset Warren Buffett, that blue cover thing that everyone has definitely seen a copy of it. Uh, I read it once before, the whole, the whole book, about 300 pages, uh, in early 2018 when I was, you know, uh, really contemplating on doing my own thing out of college. And I 
basically reread the first half of it, the investment half of it, because you talk about corporate governance, the second half, the first part is the investment, um, re- for the last two weeks, is that one thing he really stresses is that stock market fluctuates so much, it's because it has to set a price every day, every hour, every second for Monday to Friday, right? 9.30 Eastern to 4 p.m. So imagine if, but the, if the business behind them are, there's no, the, the, the fundamental features of them are no different than your other investment. Imagine, let's say you have a house in Vancouver, right? right? Sorry to use that example. Mm-hmm. Don't mind. Okay. So if your no, neighbor, he's yeah. saying, if your neighbor yells out a price every day by how he feels, yeah. right? Or your neighborhood yells out a price every day by how, he, how they feel. They fluctuate every day. Do you sell when they yell the lowest price? No. <laughs> but, but, but let's say there's a rule. They have to yell out a price to, to, to price your, with your own, you know, that property every single day, right? You sh- mm. As time goes, you shouldn't feel good or bad about, okay, uh, or feel really, really good or really bad about recording to what your neighbor thinks. What you should figure out is what. If you, let's say that's housing investment property, you don't live in it anymore. It's investment property, right? Is it producing mm. 5% cash flow on the rent this year, 3% or 8%? Yeah. And what am I willing to sell the, play- the thing for, for how many times of that percentage of that cash flow? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Let's say yep. if the house is producing 8%, which is very high, you know, because the rent income, let's say 8%, then if some, uh, 8%, okay, so let's say it produce, just, you know, 80K, okay, of, 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 of 80K Canadian dollars, right, per year, then if you rent out, then um, if you are willing to put a, typical, let's just say a 10 times earnings on it, then the house is $800,000, right? If, if that's, let's say you enter the house, purchase the property that way. If somebody really yeah. someday yell out the price as a 20 times your earnings, basically they're willing to buy the place for 1.6 million, but the cash flow still earns 80K, right? Doesn't, doesn't change, right? Inflation stays around the same, interest rate around the same. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, maybe it's a good sell. Because that's, you know, they're really yelling out a high price. They were saying, oh, I want to buy a 1.6. I'm like, yeah, 20 times earnings. I would take the 1.6 and do something else and maybe find something higher yield, right? Okay. But if some, you, you could sell at that point, that's not a bad move. Mm. Smart move, actually. But if somebody yells out, they're going to buy it at two times earnings. So 160K buy your house. You're like, no. What do you say? You say, no, sir. I'm sorry. Thank you. Mm. I'm good. Unless you really, really need money, right? <laughs> You're like, no, sir. I'm good. Because in two years, in two years, your cash flow will make the entire value of the house, right? Because they only will be P of two times. So they offer you $160,000 to buy your house. They could produce 80K income for you. You'd be like, I'm going to wait for two years. I'm going to have them. Why do I sell this, this money-making machine for me, for, for, for me to you? That's way too low of valuation. Mm-hmm. So if you look at things from that perspective, doing down markets, things get cheaper. You can buy things at two or five times earnings. Mm-hmm. One more example, Delta Airlines selling exactly four times earnings right now. So if you and I going by Delta today, which is less than $10 billion, you know, we probably don't get it at financing right now. But if we own it, in four years, Delta will make exactly back make back exactly the entire money we pay for it, and the fifth year starts yeah. to make billion, you know, about one point five billion per year for us. Would you say you and I own Delta is a pretty good decision right now to buy the whole thing, mm. right? So, mm. so for individual common shareholders who can't buy the whole thing, then what can you do is own a piece of it, right? It's only you can own one percent of it, you can own you know thousands of percent of it, but this is a good time to get in. So, and uh, if you look at things from that perspective, I think for everyone, and, I, and again, this is not easy though. It's a, it's a uh, everyone knows what, you know, the phrases and the, and the, 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 the things, the philosophies and stuff, but the difference in life is, you know, people, 
uh, these things come, uh, you know, w- once a decade come, you know, they don't come that often. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they come, do people actually execute, you know, the, the, the yeah. knowing to the doing. And that's the hardest part. And I struggle with the doing too, just like everybody else. So, um, but, you know, when we are talking about knowing, this is the knowing. And I want to perfectly present a knowing. But I know for sure, even if we're saying this, and even Warren says it all the time, the results for everyone is still different because the results, the difference, the, the difference maker is in the doing. So, yeah. Mm, okay. I see, I see, I see. So, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on, because um, right now for our listeners, what are your thoughts on mm-hmm. aging in the market in the form of active versus passive investment? Mm-hmm. Great question. Wow, really, you've been, you've been uh, taking a what, finance major these days? Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice, man. You're, you're influenced because I've been talking to you so much. <laughs> oh, nice. nice. Well, what you, are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you gave me some, uh, some, some, some great influence on uh, philosophy too. I, I recently uh, are pushing myself to do the 12 rules again, but uh, man, it's, uh, the cleaning house part is super, super hard. Dude, the cleaning... I feel, uh, I feel yeah, the Sorry same. for side feel... note. Sorry for side note, but man, like... Uh, mm-hmm. and you uh, you present a lot of philosophical things, and uh, because recently you know I've been thinking on knowing and doing, and you know I know the twelve rules, I can you know memorize them, but it <laughs> makes zero difference. You, you know what I'm saying, right? If you memorize them, you don't know really you just yeah. and, and you don't do anything. Yeah. You're a hypocrite, right? But I yeah. ask you, let's say nine or ten, or like maybe nine of them, yeah. Then three of them mm-hmm. I don't do so well. Then I'm not a hypocrite, but I'm not really you know living either, you know. So a hundred percent either. So um, yeah, yeah. So I appreciate your your insight. But okay, so. Passive. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, I. Uh, there's a whole another topic of this how, is like how, advice for non-experts. Right? Yes. Yes. Non- yes. Yes. Agreed. Non-professionals. Um, mm-hmm. For pat. Uh, there's a total debate on the how passive thing actually caused this crash. Um, but uh, that's a story for another day. Um, I think really depends on different situations i know it sounds you know again broken record like a cliche thing to say uh it's mm-hmm. it's it depends it depends you know but uh, some mm-hmm. uh, a, and a great answer to some of the hardest questions in the world are really it depends it depends, uh, yeah. right? it depends right it depends yeah. uh, depends on what uh, uh if uh someone really really uh has a longer term outlook uh they i think they can afford being passive more uh, let's say if they were buying ten thousand dollars each month, or maybe too much each month, one thousand dollars each month to buy the S and P five hundred, the index. Okay. Or, or this is one option. Or second, they're buying their favorite basket stocks. They just like Coca Cola and Apple. Let's just say, use that example. They just buy Coca Cola and Apple. They really just only like these two, okay? And for every month. So, but either way, the action is passive, right? They're just doing that. They already made the decision. They're depositing that every regardless mm-hmm. market drop or or or, or going lower. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's a final approach. So he might buy it a lot. This person might buy a lot. Um, it's called David Smith. David might buy a lot, um, you know, mm-hmm. February at the high, but he's buying again at the low. So averages out a little bit, right? He's but he's not changing mm-hmm. his strategy. The world's going to zero. He's not changing his strategy. He's only buying a thousand this month. Only buying a thousand. Strategy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, I think that works, and especially uh, that definitely one beats inflation because longer term stock market goes up eighty five percent of the time. For US, eighty-five <laughs> percent time, mm. and and it's a it's a wealth creator just like the real estate you know houses homes in China, uh, which will stop being a wealth creator in the future. But that's a, again that's another topic too. So, um, <laughs> but um, so so buying every month isn't bad at all. It's definitely way better than putting in the bank, right? So which creates almost zero mm, yes. return. 
annual treasury, which creates less than 1% of a return for U.S. treasury bonds. Um, so do that, doing that, I think definitely works. But however, that's what I want to make up a passive. So I'm saying there's nothing wrong with it. However, with active, you can, um, let me summarize it even more, even simpler. With passive, mm-hmm. you can earn the average return of your income bracket. Basically, if you're a Facebook engineer, make 150K, you, <clears throat> you invest well, you, man, you, you do that passive. You're definitely better than the people who are the same Facebook engineer salary, but doesn't do it. You know, that guy who just parties and burns uh, it all and, and or just yeah. he's way too conservative, puts it under his grandma's like, you know, uh, mattress and just save it there. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. in the longer term, this person is going to definitely do that better, way better than that person who just puts the money under the mattress or don't invest at all or just save it or spend it. Um, hmm. However, if you want to uh, basically make a leap, you know, in Chinese called mm-hmm. you have to do some sort of active investment in some fields at certain times. So mm. you can do a mixture of things. Let's say uh, this one. Yeah, I'm going to share this one. Okay, so, okay. Uh, let's say in, a friend of mine works for a large real estate firm in the United States. He knows real estate really well. I don't know about developing that much. They, they do, uh, they've done like 20 projects already, you know, apartment homes and commercial buildings, things like that. Average return for a two, three year window. Uh, by the way, I can introduce you to him later after the buyer's season over too. That'd be a good way to invest. Um, average return is about 18% annualized for a two, three year project. You know, they, they build a community, they build a building, uh, finish it, sell it, done. Okay. So, uh, and then for that, once they have a project that looked kind of interesting to me, and I compare it, let's say they would do one in Dallas, one in Minnesota, and one in Irvine. I comparatively, I think Irvine's a little too expensive, so I go with them in Dallas. Then, then I that's called my passive real estate exposure, right? Let's say I give them two hundred thousand dollars, because that's um, in in a way uh, of me not knowing the ins and outs of real estate developing. I can't go and do my own building, right, or whatever. Mm. So I, but comparatively, I think his firm does very well and he's, you know, in charge and stuff. So uh, I allocate that and historically proven great return. But that's passive me. That's me passive in real estate. But some sort of active meaning doing the things, obviously, you know, uh, stocks is what I do, do. So I study it most. But in stocks, I'm in equities for me, my family portfolio, uh, my girlfriend, or even, you know, my friend, I'm obviously, you know, people who uh, I help taking care of, let's just call that. Um, then I, um, basically do all active, right? But let's say if someone who doesn't spend as much time, which is about like eight, you know, eight, these days, 10 plus hours, but some days, you know, at least six to eight hours a day starting stocks on companies, mm. then uh, they can have it completely passive. But mm. uh, let's say if you are a- Or say, give it to somebody like Robert. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. Right. Uh, that mm-hmm. works too. Uh, then uh, go give it to someone else or, or do the first way to come faster. But that person, let's say, uh, Roy, let's say if you really know uh, private businesses or entrepreneurs or startups really well, especially comes to advertising agencies or just say anything, or let's say you become a biotech expert or like my girlfriend because I'm a biotech expert in like five years or whatever, then at those angel investments or VC investments for you, for your portfolio, you can do all active in those, right? You, I mean, also you can't really passive VC anyways. You have to give money to a VC to have passive for you know basically. Yeah. Right? So you can buy the index financing. So you are choosing four companies out of the twenty companies you saw at a startup stage, and you invest in four of them, and you and turn out to be three of them do well, they make great return. That is the active investment, correct? Because you made the choice and you analyze the stuff. They do what they do. So I think 
some so back to what I said was that I believe to, to make a leap from the current wealth level, who, whoever that is, some poor net worth only ten thousand dollars. Not saying that's bad. I'm just saying for anyone, uh, wealth doesn't define anyone's status. But you know, ten thousand dollars net worth, or anyone hundred thousand, or anyone's five million, or anyone was a you know two hundred million net worth or one million. Uh, they, I think, to make a leap or to especially for people who are on the upper range to stay within that range, they have to make some sort of active investment in certain fields at certain times. You know, some people might passive invest in the last nine years, but this year they're like, I'm going to go active stock. I don't know this is a company that well, but that, remember that data business person deploys a uh, thousand each month. He's going to say market drops a lot this year. I'm going to deploy all of the $12,000, which I plan on deploying for the next year, all towards this year. Yeah. Right, that's an active decision. Mm. He's saying nine years I didn't change anything day in and day out, just regular deposits, yeah. very disciplined. This year I'm going to shift it, right? Pull next year's uh, uh, supply of money forward and put it here because this is a tremendous historical opportunity. I think in most cases these people will do better than pure passive. That's my that's my answer mm. to that. Hopefully it's comprehensive enough. Definitely, definitely, that's yeah. a great answer. Yeah, so. yeah. So I think yeah, people should go with uh, their base, and this is another thing Buffett and Munger talked about is uh, go with their cycle of competence. Um, again, you know, if if Jiwei knows biotech really well, she should active in, if she was willing to, she should active pick the companies that she knows about, right? And you know, doesn't matter if it's public traded biotech companies or private, right? Then she can do. But she doesn't know real estate, so she, if she goes to do active real estate, it's going to be rough. You know, like, because you're, mm -hmm. think of these businesses, it's like a sport in a sense, you're in the field competing against pros and you're going to, you know, get slaughtered, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, but if you are a pro in that field, then, then you know, you, you might have a chance to win, depends on how good you are. But if you're not even a pro, then you're going there, you're just going to get slaughtered. So uh, passive definitely works for a lot of, you know, instances and a lot of times. But I do think, you know, to make a certain leap and to genuine alpha, uh, alpha meaning mm -hmm. being more than, better than average returns. Definitely, certain fields, certain times, active is needed. Mm, I see. I see. It really does depend on the person, the yeah. situation, the individual, right? Yeah. See, short answer. See, a, a, a great answer to lots of questions, my man. It depends. Right. It really depends. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. 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 Hundred percent. Mm -hmm. So, going back to um, the virus mm -hmm. and the the market economy. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are seeing this current situation as unprecedented, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen right now three circus breaks mm -hmm. in the market mm -hmm. and um, the um, interest rate is going to nearly 0%. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, looking back in history, mm -hmm. are there any references, are there any incidents or references mm -hmm. people could look at mm -hmm. to basically make judgment for what's coming or mm. to understand the current situation? Mm. Mm. Uh, simple answer and long explanation. Simple answer is no. No. Uh, history, okay. history repeats itself. But it, history rhymes, but it doesn't, uh, you know, but, but um, sometimes might repeat, but, but it, it, it's not exactly the same, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Two main factors, and I think you will, you, you will totally, uh, I, at least I think you will totally see this. One is that, um, uh, one is more of an explanation than second thing as you do. I think you totally see it. Uh, is that it, it did drop very fast. Circuit breakers doesn't happen because circuit breakers were set like, a, you know, many, many years ago. And 7.5% uh, mm. 
morning trading session, first 10 minutes was considered a lot. Uh, because mm-hmm. the quantum, the quant trading and computer machine trading these days, humans make the decisions, build the models, but machines execute, so they go a lot mm-hmm. faster. Purely just because the servers are so fast, they go a lot faster these days. So um, the total percentage, right, if you look at OA, it was 40%-ish. Right now it's 30, some 31, 32. So the, the severity or, you know, 1929, the Great Depression was like 60%, right? So, uh, and, and, and there's mild ones like 2001 or like, you know, 87, dropped 25% mm. on that Black Monday, that one day, then it quickly recovered like three months later, right? So things are, but I'm saying, I'm pre- absolute percentage-wise, it's actually, uh, it's a typical bear market recession, which happens again, you know, every 10, 15 years-ish. So it's not anything out of the norm, right? Just because everybody's kids, people really, there's, there's reasons, you, you know, you read, you read think fast and slow too, right? There's this really... Recency bias of people just, you know, oh my God, everyone needs to post about it. Jesus. I mean, like the first time I, yeah, I find yeah. out about so many professional investors around my circle, I'm like, wow, everyone's a pro now. You know, I'm like, the first, you know, like for the last, seriously, though, for the last five years, I've never seen so many people post about stocks. I'm mean, like, typically, you know, I'm like, oh, these people are not interested. Well, now they are posting about it. Okay. Anyways, um, so that creates headlines, right? Media exaggerates, but it's just because it's fast. Okay. And, 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 uh, remember, I said well, we recorded this uh, on March. What is it, seventeenth? Remember, I said it before. Now, afterwards, when it goes back, watch out, boy! It's gonna go back fast too, because the machine trades it. You know, mm. it's gonna go back quickly too. Like typically, mm. say OA took about uh, and and also. Uh, by the way, my conclusion after the negative positive thing, OA was still worse. Okay, so I think this is recovers faster. I'm just saying some parts are different, mm. but always still. So OA, if OA was worse and it took about six months to eight months to recover from a stock market perspective, economy really took two years. Okay, but stock market goes faster. You know, um, then uh, about eight months. This is not as bad as OA, and it's everything temp- temporary, but it will come back. Uh, you know, it's not broken. Then um, and also machine trades it faster. It could be in we're looking at you know 45 to 60 days. Not before the quarantine, everything's over. I'm saying markets will be back up already, and people are still quarantining. This is highly possible, you know. So um, mm. and remember, you know, I, I I have a pretty high conviction. I think I'm right on that, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. But just remember, I said it before, not uh, you know, to 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 say afterwards. But anyway, that's one. Mm. Second, uh, you were saying how to reason why we can't compare it to history is because uh, two, uh, basically two things. One. The only thing we compare, because it's a pandemic, it's a health crisis, right? This is, you know, yeah. we can't show we call this. This is a human global health crisis. You know, besides North Korea has zero cases, basically everywhere else is infected, right? North Korea has zero. You know, they had one person, I should look it up actually, they had one person back in January, they shot him. So uh, that's why they have zero. <laughs> yeah, seriously, though, mm. they shot him. Yeah, that's why they have zero. It's insane. But anyways, so the world uh, is a uh, global health crisis. We don't have, we didn't have that. Going back for the last 70, 80, 90, Buffett said something. I lived to 89 years old this year. I turned 90. First time I've ever seen it. Because 1918 Spanish flu, he wasn't born yet. He was born in 1932. So, um, 1930, I mean. So, if, but, but it doesn't get as bad as Spanish flu, right? Because that was really 50 million people died. This won't get to that, no matter how, how worse it gets. So, uh, that's hard to compare to one. Second is the world, the most importantly, why kids really can't have fine historical relevance because the world has never been disconnected before and has never experienced all of a certain mandatory for human, again, obviously for humanitarian reasons, mandatory government issued shutdown to prevent it from happening. So it's a mandatory mm. air pocket of 
bang, bang, bang. You see all the numbers. Imagine you see a dashboard, all the numbers, GDP number moving. All the numbers zero hit. Everything stops, right? Almost zero or activity or traffic data. You know, because there's, there's season. Do you know how there's off season, there's on season? Even the worst time of like financial crisis, people still, uh, some people who have enough actual income, whatever, still take a vacation, right? Or still do certain things. But now airline shit, where people still go on the street in New York City, right? But now everybody's curfew. So you can't go, mm. right? During the worst day of recession, when everybody lost their jobs, uh, after 9 p.m., people still, I'm sure that people still went to bars. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But now yeah. you cannot. So, uh, and during those times, NBA was still playing and Coachella was still going out, all these things, right? So, um, mm-hmm. so this, it's unprecedented. There's nothing, uh, it, it's hard oh, to find a resemblance to, to, to say, okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. find an old model and just build that way and then model it yeah. out to see how it's going to recover. Um, and the last yeah. point is, um, it's a great question though. A lot of people thought about this and people ask this on media all the time too. Uh, last point is, is that, uh, Ray Dalio said this, um, yeah, uh, same thing recently. Um, okay. It would make the job of us too easy. He's saying for him and, you know, hopefully me uh, in the industry, just other people. He's saying it would make the invest the professional investor job too easy. If every crash, you can just find the exact same thing and just, just uh, copy their previous <laughs> action. Yeah. So he's saying, yeah. he's never seen it. People ask him, he's like, I don't know. Like, why are you asking me? Like, I don't know. I'm doing the best <laughs> I can to put up our assets and, and take advantage of hopefully to go. So basically he's saying he knows about, like, what I said. Remember, I said, I can figure out cash flow on the, return for the property right i can calculate that and stuff mm. but i don't know if okay the guy who offered me 160k remember i said i said i'm not going to sell it because it's a two times fee of the house right but mm. i don't know if that's the best offer i'm ever going to get for this property in my lifetime yeah. because one example if you're in miami close to the beach you know how there's there's might be the city might go underwater or something like that in like you know 40 years or something mm. i don't know if let's say next year this house breaks by earthquake or fire or whatever then i get zero dollar correct so in hindsight, I probably should have sold it for 160K, even though it's a global offer. But you cannot predict it. So you have to admit, even though the best chess players, the poker players, whatever, you have to admit there are certain parts we don't know about. And this is really, I have to say, uh, I think it takes some wisdom to say, we don't have history resemblance. We can't find a history on how to invest, but we don't have resemblance to this sort of events. And the world wasn't, even if uh, the events like this did take place once in modern history, but the world was never like this. If the Spanish, if we have the, those medical conditions, like if medical technology did not improve, and the world is con- was connected in 1918, I think 50% population might die, right? So, mm. like, well, who knows? So, uh, we don't know. But, again, today, the downside is we're more, more connected, so they spread faster, but medical conditions are higher, uh, human immune system improved and all that, so people are strong. And also, you know, it's just many things are better, but also the downside is people are it's connected. So, it's, it's really, really a puzzling thing. And uh, I don't want to mm-hmm. claim I have the answer or I don't want to claim I found an exact historical moment where you can just go really just uh, model that out and just say, call it a day, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. People wish to have that kind of answer. Yeah, they wish. But, they wish. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and the thing is, after this, the next one, let's say by the time we turn 40 years old, all these people yeah. have experienced coronavirus. They're going to be like, oh, this time is just like coronavirus. But trust me, it would not be like a virus like this. It might be something, I don't know, uh, I'm random prediction. This is not like with any conviction. Mm. I hope I'm not right. Okay. But let's say next time if there's a Russia China war, which I think in our lifetime might happen or some shit like that, but I hope, really hope it doesn't. If it's, I don't think US China at all. Russia China, if there's a Russia China war, whatever, in our okay. 40s, in our 40s, then people are going to be like, oh, recession, horrible. Let's model it out from coronavirus. No, it does, it's not the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> next time when things happen, people will look for the answers. 
then people realize the only similar resemblance will be like World War II. But by that point, World War II will be like 100 years from that point. Then people will be like, oh, the world was di- very different and stuff like that. So it's very, very hard to model these things out. And pe- anyone who tells you they have the certain answers, they're lying, man. They're lying. So, yeah. Mm, I see, I see. So really, there is no way to find out roughly when we're going to hit the bottom. No. No, I, so. I see, I see, no. I see, I see. No, I see. If you believe so, in God, maybe, yeah. <laughs> okay, so last question. Mm. So, kind of relating to what what you do, um, what kind of people, what kind of uh, people, based on their objective, their goals, or their net worth, do you mm. think is best to handle their money if they want to trade the market to a professionally managed fund like Pure Value? Uh, mm. What kind of people do you think is best suited for that kind to go that route? Mm, interesting. What kind of people is suited to uh, based on their objective or that? Are there yeah. certain criteria yeah. that you think yeah. you know certain people they should do it by themselves? Certain people they should yeah. buy an mm. index. Certain people they should give it to a professionally manager. Got it. Okay. Uh, I mm. would say um, two, maybe three kind of people. I'm going to say the first two. Okay. Uh, okay. That definitely should. One, someone who's starting his career 